Welcome to Sundoku Book Club, where we finally get to the books that have been sitting on our shelves for forever. I'm Leif Nelson. And I'm Emily Miner. And today, I am going to be talking about a book called The Forge of God by Greg Bear, mm-hmm. which is, as we mentioned last time, a sci-fi book that I got on a website that I really enjoy called Humble Bundle. Have you heard of it? You're asking me? Yeah. You're the I, only person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard of it, but only because of you. Yes. And I know that you can get... Well, I know the other things you've got on Humble Bundle are like mm-hmm. D&D, like story packages and right. P, like PDF books and things like that for a little bit cheaper. And then also some other tabletop stuff. Mm-hmm. So for anyone who doesn't know, Humble Bundle is a website that lets you buy mostly digital products like ebooks and pdfs and things like that occasionally you can get physical stuff and also like video games but it is a website it's a storefront but the name comes from the fact that it usually sells bundles of stuff and it'll either be sponsored by like a publishing company or a game company or it'll just be a bunch of stuff all put together and these bundles are pay what you want and there are tiers to it so like five if you pay a dollar you get like five books if you pay ten dollars you get another five and then if you pay 15 you get another five and usually as you go up in those they're more well-known or famous things um and the money goes towards the company humble bundle website and a charity of their choice during the week and you get to pick who gets what money. So if you wanted to and you're spending $15, you could say, I don't care about EA games or whatever or this Humble Bundle website. I'm just going to give all this money to the charity. Mm-hmm. But you still get all of the books or games or whatever. So I really enjoy it because each of the bundles lasts like two weeks. There's always like a really cool mix. I usually never get any of them. I was looking back at my history. I usually only get like one or two every year. Um, but it's pretty consistent that like, there. even if I'm not interested in it, it's still interesting stuff. And this um, book that I'm reading came from a sci-fi bundle, um, sci-fi books. And I bought it because um, at the $15 tier was a collection of short stories by Harlan Ellison. Do you know who Harlan Ellison is? That name Ellison? sounds familiar, Harlan but I, I don't think I can place it. Harlan Ellison is best known for writing sci-fi books and also being like a curmudgeon. Okay. Um, <laughs> he uh, just like, he, he's very much like a your Hemingway style, like uh, is grumpy, drinks whiskey, and like writes his books like that's what he does um i remember a story i read on twitter about someone who was on a panel with him and talking about um coming to terms with the person who was tweeting this was talking about someone it was either them or someone on the panel talking about coming to terms with uh the fact that the murderer of their parents or something was out of jail now and harlan ellison like in the middle of the panel just like said hey if you want that taken care of i know a guy 
<laughs> um, so like dead serious. Yeah, well, serious, but also laughing about it. Just be like, hey, like if you're ever interested, I know someone who could take care of that for you. So very interesting character. <laughs> Not who we're talking about today, but uh-huh. that's why I bought the bundle. Sure. Um, I think Carlin Ellis's most famous story is I Have No Mouth um, and I Must Scream, which is like a sci-fi horror story about like an AI that has like gone insane and is mm-hmm. torturing these few remaining humans and like forcing them to do like extremely weird stuff and like messing with their body and their genes and stuff and it's very interesting and and the other stories were interesting too i bought this way back in 2014 so i don't remember most of them oh my gosh yeah wow but i read that book immediately because that's the whole reason i got it Mm -hmm. and i felt like 15 dollars for a collection of short stories was fine and hey maybe i'll read the other books Five years later, I decided to start reading some of the others, <laughs> and I read through um, three of them before I finally got to a book I wanted to finish. Wow. Yes. So the books that I um, started reading but couldn't really get through were Healer's War, which is a historical fantasy Um it's set during the Vietnam War, and I never got to the fantasy part. I don't okay. know what the fantasy part is because I got bored before I could get there. Um, it, it seemed to be from the point of view of a medic or a nurse, um, an American nurse in Vietnam, um, who was uh, dealing with basically working with the locals and like helping them. And from what I read in the uh, intro and the forward and other stuff, it sounds like it could be pretty interesting because it, um, it seems like it is from what the, the, like whatever the back cover, um, whatever that would be on a digital book would be like, um, the little blurb. It sounded like it was going to be pretty, um, kind to the North Vietnamese Mm -hmm. who were, the enemies of the United States yeah. in that conflict. And that's that's really interesting to me. And I thought that would be interesting, but the writing just did not grab me. So sure. didn't get very far into it. Um, another one, The Reluctant Swordsman, a fantasy book that seemed influenced by like Asian and Indian-like mythologies and um, religions. And I say influenced because it was written by a white guy. Um, and that was another one that I just was like pretty quickly bored with, um, did some stuff that I like in books where it doesn't explain everything, just says things and and you kind of slowly come to uncover them, but I, it just wasn't that interesting overall. The third book was called Justice and Her Brothers, which was a, um, I always get mixed up what to call this genre. It's fantasy but it's mostly realistic so i think that's fantasy realism magical realism or something similar it depends i hate genres so i'm just gonna call it fantasy again with this one i didn't quite get to the fantasy part so i don't know what happens i do know it's the first in a series and i know that it's supposed to be a um i had never heard of it but it's supposed to be a like somewhat famous um african-american like fantasy story because it's written by an african-american the characters are african-american 
And it, it, I can't remember the time period it takes place. It seemed like it was early, um, early to mid, uh, 20th century. So, uh, it was interesting, but I get bored with books that are very, that are too character driven mm-hmm. where it's literally like the first, like, I think 15% of this book. And I say percent because that's how Kindle like lists it for me, not in pages, but percentage of the way through the first 15% is the main character justice who is a girl talking with her mom and you very much get a glimpse of like what their life is like here um where they are i can't remember um and so you get a, a really good feel for their voices and um this young girl's like picture of like what her life is like and her two brothers and how they interact but like again i just eventually get bored with just people talking to one another and that like uncovering things i like that but i like it while stuff is going on (laughs) too so i kind of stopped about when it started going going but just because i was like "Mm, i'll come back to this i want to sometime later so maybe that'll come back later for another episode but finally, the book that got me to keep reading was Forge of God by Greg Bear, a fantasy book that is still kind of boring. <laughs> oh my gosh. But you are the harshest boredom I know. critic. <laughs> so maybe, honestly, this could all be because I was just in like a boring mood. Like this whole you time. You were boring, so the book was boring. Yeah, no. But like, I don't know. Maybe I, no, I mean, seriously, like maybe I was just bored. And I was reading these to try and not be bored, and they just weren't enough at that time. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I went in with like a, okay, I want to read this story that's kind of dealing with the Vietnam War. Not just looking for something right. general to yeah. read to get out of boredom. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, Forge of God is a book that I feel like I'm going to try and talk a little bit about it without spoilers. Because it's sort of a mystery um, up to a point. And then it turns into kind of like halfway through, it kind of turns on its head and becomes a different book altogether. And I know in general, we like just say, who cares about spoilers? If you care about spoilers, don't listen to this. But I kind of want to talk about it without spoilers at first, if I can. I don't, we'll see how well this works. Basically, the story starts with an alien crash landing in the US um, and several other places land. Um, spots with alien crash landings and all their different governments start like kind of converging in it and like trying to figure out what's going on a lot of this book is very similar to the movie arrival i was just gonna say that if you've seen it um except uh this book instead of china being the other big like Mm -hmm. superpower that's looking into it it's Australia for some reason. Okay. This book was actually written in 87, but it takes place in 1996, I think. Okay. So there's some weird anachronisms like the uh, USSR still existing mm-hmm. um, and some other stuff. But for some reason, the two main places they talk about the aliens are the United States and Australia because the, the interactions with the aliens are completely different. One in the U.S. is very dark and foreboding. The alien says they are a um, 
a parasite who latched themselves. This isn't their ship. They just latched themselves onto it. And their homeworld was destroyed. And they're warning us that we're going to get destroyed too. And in Australia, the aliens are telling them, hey, great, we just got here. We're going to welcome you into like the Intergalactic Federation or whatever. And so it's kind of like trying to figure out what's going on. And you don't know what happens with the other ones. One of the characters like muses that maybe the one that landed in the Soviet Union is promising them that the social socialism is the answer in space. That's what everyone acknowledges. So I don't, it was very, it's just a little weird. But is there supposed to be this kind of idea that like the way that the aliens are presenting themselves is sort of matching that country's... No, like, that's why I'm confused about it, because the... I mean, unless you're, like, kind of taking a very pessimistic view of America, I don't know why aliens are coming to destroy you would be, like, a good way of, like, greeting right, them. Right, I guess that's Although, true. I guess, yeah, I if, if um, the parasite alien is there, um, there might be... Some, like, maybe that's, like, one of the truth knowers. I shouldn't have said all that because I know what the answer is at the very end. So I didn't even <laughs> consider that, that yeah, maybe the United States was supposed to get someone to come down and tell them. Now Apple you're pie just... and baseball is what's... <laughs> what's... Now you're just talking gibberish because we don't know what's in the middle. <laughs> I know. So <laughs> there are three like main stories going on throughout this um, following like a couple of scientists who are trying to figure out what's going on and are interviewing the alien and also corroborating with other countries about mm -hmm. what their aliens are telling them. Um, and obviously the, and the United States scientists are not telling anybody about the invasion or the destruction of their planet because they're like, no one else is getting this and like, they might not believe us or like, they're, they're like kind of trying to calculate, like, when do we tell people that this alien says we're all going to die? Oh, when do we tell the other countries? Right. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I thought you like, I thought it was like, when do we tell the U.S. citizens? No. Well, that is also a thing. Yeah. Because um, I'm sure once they tell them, everyone right. knows. Yeah. So three stories. There's the scientists. There are these prisoners who were the people who found the alien. They are quarantined on an Air Force base. Um, and the book keeps jumping back to them. And it's, uh, it's so pointless. Like their story is so boring. And it's <laughs> basically just there to like keep saying like, hey, the U.S., treats its prisoners prisoners nicely like oh great sure they're detained without a trial of any sort but they're well kept and they when they're released eventually the u.s the government is like giving them a stipend and also gives them access to lawyers if they want to sue like oh yeah because <laughs> yeah. that would happen very ever. friendly it, it was a little weird like, because every time so it would go, strange. it would go back to them. It would like detail like how they're getting like stir crazy, being locked up in these rooms. The aliens? No, the humans are going stir crazy. Oh, they, the, the ones who found the aliens. Yeah. Okay. Um, because they are also scientists, but they're like geologists, and they found it out like in Death Valley or something like that. I can't remember, and. Yeah, and also, so they find it, and also, like, a couple of people that they just happen to run into with the alien, mm -hmm. and they're locked up for, like, safety reasons, because they don't know what alien-born pathogens they might have. Sure. But after, like, a month, they, they, they're they like, okay, they're just trying to keep us quiet, and 
it's and yeah, it it goes into detail explaining like how screwed up they are by all of this, but it also goes into great detail about how really this is all very understandable and that the U.S. government is doing the best it can, and it's just it, it feels a little whiplashy mm. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the third story, which is kind of the politics of it all, because the it is an election year and the president is like unsure of it. It does one of those things that most books do where you don't know anyone's um, uh, political party or like leaning they have. So I don't, I could be forgetting. I don't think the president's political party is ever mentioned. I don't think his opposition's is ever mentioned. So you don't know if he's a Democrat or Republican. It doesn't matter. (laughs) They're all the same according to this book. Mm. Um, And it's just, it's that it's just a little dry. And like, as with some of the other things where like it throws out all these scientific ideas or even like these kind of religious implications, it kind of just falls a little flat because it just sort of like mentions them kind of thinks them for them a bit and then moves on. So, the reason it's kind of boring is because it's a little dry and kind of like bounces around a lot like that. But overall, it is very intriguing because you seriously don't know. And every time you learn something new, it like they learn something new and it doesn't answer any of the questions they had. It just raises more questions. Yeah. And that's like really interesting overall because throughout it, what it's building isn't so much like a plot as it is an atmosphere um of them slowly real like their idea of like what the truth is is like expanding constantly Mm -hmm. and i don't mean that they're like learning new truths they're just like suddenly realizing like oh we were thinking about just like meeting these aliens and suddenly like we might be accepted to a federation oh maybe they're going to destroy us oh, maybe they aren't going to destroy us. They're just screwing with us to see how we react. Like, it just keeps going bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's just really interesting because it kind of goes through almost every possibility. And as it goes on and it introduces a few more, like, non-bigwig characters, so it's not the scientists, it's not the politicians, it's just random people, it gets a little more interesting. You don't meet them as much as I would like. Um, but it still does a good job, I think, of kind of giving an idea of, like, how other more regular people would be reacting to mm-hmm. suddenly, hey, the president's talking about aliens now and what that might mean for us. And it's, I don't know, it's really interesting. This is also kind of reminding me of Independence Day. How so? I don't know, just like you have sort of like these different like people yeah, storylines, yeah. like you've got the president, mm-hmm. right? Like you've got Will Smith, who like is basically just, I mean... You he's know, a soldier, but he's, he's a still soldier, kind of like a regular a guy. Yeah, no, like, I get that. I think, if I remember correctly, at the beginning of the movie, he like isn't even like stationed anywhere. He's just home. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, and then we've got your scientist. Mm-hmm. Who was that? Jeff Goldblum. It was. Okay. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> 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 Leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry, it just reminded me of that. So yeah, that is kind of like the the main setup mm-hmm. of the novel. But I can't really talk about the rest of what I want to talk about without really Spoiler. going to spoilers. So that's okay. Here's your warning. 
Um, so when I mentioned that it was like Arrival, it's extremely like Arrival, um, which I really like. You and I both like. I'm I think obsessed with it. It's a great movie. Um, it's one of those movies that like it's it's like a good mystery where like even once you know the ending and the twists and everything like that. It's still great to watch. Yeah, you still want to rewatch it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's based on a short story or a novella by Ted Chang, um, who I will also be reading later for this because you got me a collection of short stories for <laughs> Christmas or something one year. I sure did. I have it right because here. Because we both loved it. And uh, that'll be great sometime. He also wrote a great, I think also a novella um, called The Life Cycle of Software Objects. Which is really great. He's a great sci-fi author. Yeah. So if you're curious what Arrival was based on, it's called Story of Your Life. Yeah. And yeah, just overall, it's very similar to Arrival in that you're following some scientists, talking to aliens, trying to figure things out. There's another superpower dealing with it who's getting a different response. In Arrival, it's because they are... Inter- they are both trying to break down the language and are interpreting things differently. In this one, it's because they're literally getting different stories. And there's also a little side thing about U.S. soldiers deciding to take things into their own hands and bomb the aliens, and it goes nowhere. So that was that was a really interesting tidbit for me. It's like, huh. Like, this was obviously written, like, 20 years or something before Ted Chang's book, but it was interesting, like, how many parallels there were. Yeah. But things take a turn when they find out the truth. And the truth is they are going to be destroyed. The Earth is going to get destroyed. Don't really fully understand why. Um it's not clear if the parasite is a real parasite. Like, if it was a real alien, when they dissect it, after it dies, they realize it has no out... It has no anus. <laughs> it has no, like, pores or anything. It can. It could intake food, so they were feeding it and giving it water, but it couldn't expel, expel. anything. And they're like... They, they theorize, and we don't fully know because they do not get the answers to everything... That this was an artificial life form created to deliver this information to us. Like, that was its sole purpose. And there, and even by the end of the book, you don't know if it was created by the aliens that are destroying the planet or if it was created by some friendly aliens. Right. Like, it is just really strange. Like a, like a friendly warning or right. a, we're coming. Right. Like, it, it makes it... It's at one time at one point the president asks it a question and asks like is asking these questions, asking about all these things, and then asks, Do you believe in God? And the alien responds that I believe in punishment and it dies like thirty minutes later. Oh my god. And so the president goes nuts and believes that like this is God's like divine judgment that the earth is going to be destroyed because of this. Um and when he announces that aliens exist uh, that is one of the things he he just tells everyone like we're all gonna die like it's God's choice and it's it's extremely crazy mm-hmm. like both um, the response to it which I think would be somewhat wild is pretty reserved 
Um, people kind of just go about their lives still for the most part. Um, but also seeing behind the scenes about like the people aides to the president who are just like watching this happen and are don't aren't okay with it, but are still letting it happen. Mm. It was just really strange, which I guess could be like a really interesting like commentary on like how people in power are we let them do things like we could stop them, but mm. we don't. Um, and I, I, I honestly don't know like Greg Bear's politics. I don't know like what he could be saying. I think he does a decent job of being very aloof about everything. You can still sort of like see like how he believes the world works in that like the U.S. is very kind to its prisoners and all mm. these other things like that. But still, like I think he does a good job of being pretty like just flat or. I don't know how to, well, how to put honestly, that. Well, honestly, I mean, not to bring it up again, but I do think that it's not that uncommon to have a narrative with a president and the president is just sort of like this neutrally good figure. Like in Independence Day, that right. president is, if I'm remembering correctly, does not clearly, like doesn't say what party they are affiliated with. I don't think with. most TV presidents do well, or movie a, presidents. But that's the thing, like it's like it doesn't matter because they're the United States president as long right. as like they're like civil and mm-hmm. strong and want you know, what's best and all those things right. then like it doesn't really matter what party they are part of. But that's the thing in this one like I don't think it treats the president very kindly. Oh okay. Like it pretty clearly shows that like he is a somewhat like middle of the road politician who is kind of religious mm. and then like talking to this alien, like just really pushes him. And he starts talking to a, having private meetings with a like televangelists um, who like is also like convinced that this is God's doing. And yeah, things, the white house kind of loses all credibility okay. in all of this, gotcha. which, it, which is again, it's kind of interesting, but again, also, they kind of just let things happen. They they just keep talking about like, man, doesn't it suck that the president is acting this way? And they don't do anything about it. So yeah, they know that the they find out that the world is in fact going to end. Right. And they find that out because there are tremors in the earth. There's a there are these scientists, a new set of scientists. There's three sets of scientists that are slowly introduced throughout the book. And there's this one scientist group that are doing like deep sea measurements and a comet hits and there are things that are measuring like pressure spike and go off the charts and when they later are going through it they basically figure out that like the only thing that could cause it to spike like this is if a black hole just like blipped into existence and then disappeared Mm -hmm. and so they realize oh there are there's a, a black hole thing struck the earth and is going to the center of the earth. And the person who figures this out is a sci-fi author who I found out, um, I think in the front, I think it actually mentions that the character is based on Larry Niven, who is another sci-fi author okay. that Greg Bear was friends with. And so the sci-fi author is on a late night talk show and they're asking him questions and he says, well, I theorize. And he comes up with the exact right answer, which is there's like a, there's this matter and antimatter or something, I can't remember the actual names they gave it, that are going through the Earth's core, slowly rotating, and when they hit, they will explode. 
and the earth will be destroyed. And once and that once that happens, then people start freaking out. Not when the president <laughs> announces it, mm-hmm. but when a, a sci-fi author just sure. happens to get it right. Um, other than that little tidbit, it's very interesting. Then when the entire book, which again, again, I've said is like it's very atmospheric, stops being well. What can we figure out? And it becomes what are we gonna do? And the answer is nothing. Like right, there's we don't have we can. don't have like advanced space travel. We don't have anything. Like there's no one to fight. There's nothing to do. Right. The earth is just going to be destroyed. And suddenly these metallic spiders start appearing on earth and they're biting people and they're transmitting information to these people and they are chosen to leave the earth. This other alien force who again we don't know if they're responsible for that the artificial life form mm-hmm. that came and gave a warning they start coming and building spaceships but only for a few people because they can only like in the amount of time they have which is like months they can only make like 20 ships or i can't remember sure a couple thousand people and they get and they so they start bringing people in and then throughout as the book goes on people are um like the aliens that are trying to destroy the earth start counteracting that like blowing up the spaceships and killing destroying cities very much like independence day and again we have no idea what's going on because we're only getting humans points of view mm-hmm. and even the people who are getting information bitten into them by these spiders don't fully know what they're doing they just know their part some of them their entire job is to be rich and funnel money into it and other people's job is to just wait and then get on the thing later. And they just sort of accept it because they're basically being mind-controlled. It is <laughs> weird. Okay, so I have a question. Okay. Like, how like, how long are you... Where in the book does it make this switch? Like, halfway through? In my mind, it's halfway, through? but I can't remember. Okay. Okay. Why? Just curious because I'm trying to like figure out how right. much of this, like what this story is most of the time. Right. So most of the time, I think the first half, and it's not quite as sharp a turn as I'm kind of making it out to okay. be. It's kind of more different people start figuring it out at different times. Okay. Um, so then... But in my mind, there's very much a before, let's try and figure this out, and an after where, mm. well, we're screwed. Like. So does it end with people getting off the planet? Yeah. So... Um, it ends with, yeah, only about like half the ships that get made actually make it off. Some of them are like blown up or something and they get off and, um, they spend and the aliens that save them, you never meet. They are, but there's an AI it's at the, towards the end, it only follows one person, one of the original scientists who him and his family got to get on. A boat, but not or, uh, uh, an ark, basically, but not his other family, who he had to like. It, it, it does, a, I think, a pretty decent job of like making him, like making you feel the emotions as he lies to his brother and his other oh. family that no, we don't know what's going on, and then 
going to but then his immediate the family arc. yeah yeah getting up um and the ai that is on there is just basically saying hey you're going to go into like cryogenic sleep and when you wake up you're going to be at a planet that we're going to tr- we're going to terraform for you um but before we do that five people from this have to watch the earth get destroyed and so more than five people like a bunch of people want to watch this go to this viewport window and watch like for two hours as the earth is destroyed because it's a slow process it's not like it's just right alderaan getting dis- exploded or whatever like it's you see like the the water start to boil and like clouds forming from like the pressure and mm-hmm. stuff and it's honestly as i was reading through that i thought like i watched this like not as like yeah. a real person but like if this were turned into a movie it might be kind of boring this part would be like it would be like watching a nature documentary mm-hmm. basically like they watch as like tectonic plates like shift like thousands of miles right and and, like begin splitting apart and like magma and stuff going around and then eventually like enormous entire continents just like falling apart and uh being destroyed and it's really moving and they're watching it and they're obviously like angry and sad and like just completely don't understand and then at the end of the book they are woken up many hundreds of years later and are beginning to terraform mars um and that's the end of the book like the earth is destroyed we were saved by these aliens from Who some other aliens knew how to terraform mars and again yeah how do they figure out they're on mars um because they're on like as they're doing yeah, stuff they're okay. in the same solar system and stuff okay and oh and they can see venus Mm. um yeah like so so one of the unexplained things at first unexplained is that europa disappears the planet europa not the the moon europa yeah um it disappears and it turns out that the good aliens use terror like broke it down into base parts to make all the spider drones oh my gosh and the ice and water was split in two and one chunk was sent to mars and one chunk was sent to venus and they're starting to terraform Venus at the very end of the book. Okay. So it's like some of this stuff eventually does get explained, but some of it doesn't. Um, but yeah, like that's the end of the book. And overall, I kind of liked like Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Some of it was like frustrating and sometimes there's like just bad writing. Like, I don't know, like there's... Um, I don't know, there's a scene where uh, the guy, the scientist who eventually does get off with his family is having sex with his wife. And it goes into very strange details. Like, it's not explicit mm-hmm. in, like, it, like it's not a, a it's not a sex scene. But it is, like, I don't know, like, it, it's, it's sort of like in the 40-year-old version where he describes a boob is like a bag of sand or something like it it's like nice and firm and like he's going into like strange details what stuff like earth? that that's the only sex scene but other times it's like why are you going into that that's a weird detail to touch on but overall i liked it because i think almost entirely because of atmosphere because plot wise 
really isn't a plot. Mm-hmm. Things are just happening and everyone else is just reacting to the fact that the world is going to explode. And I don't know. It was really good. I'm glad. Um, I found it after. I thought it was a kind of... I assumed it was a somewhat modern book, but then I... It wasn't until halfway through when it started mentioning the USSR. I'm like, when was this published? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just think I could very much see this being turned into like a mini series on HBO and mm. it being like something that is very serious and very dark and very moody. Yeah, what I'll say is that I would 100% watch that. And also, mm-hmm. I think this is the first book that you have talked about on this podcast that I've been like, yeah, I kind of want to read that now. Like, yeah. sounds really interesting. Like I said, it, it can be dry. I sure. think dry is a better word than boring. Because it is kind of matter of fact mm-hmm. in a lot of the ways that it describes things. And I both appreciate and don't care about how detailed the science is in a science fiction novel. I can appreciate it when, like... Yes, these are like theoretical things that they we're going to just talk about it now, like terraforming mm-hmm. or like matter and antimatter and all these other things. But I don't, f- I, that's one of those things that like Tolkien and his descriptions of things, I kind of start skimming at. Um, it really is just the atmosphere. It kind of starts to maintain and it wears on you eventually, but you can also tell it's wearing on the, characters Mm -hmm. because they have just months of just like waiting the world is gonna end what am i doing now and so you follow one guy who's just like goes hiking and like meets another woman who is also just deciding to hike and like at first they get together to like just be like hey you want to have someone to have sex with before the world ends and then like they basically just like get depressed together and don't even get to enjoy the end of the world because like they're at a spot they kind of go to the top of a mountain or a valley or i can't remember and as the world is breaking like in your mind you think of it as a movie where like you're watching it happen but like the earth is shaking they die from being just an earthquake they're not even anywhere like they just the earth shaking so much that they just like die and they don't get to see anything or anything um yeah i don't know <laughs> kind of dark fun stuff yeah. yeah but yeah like i said i i think that i don't know i think they just captured it really well that's cool the main thing i also thought about not just arrival was um because the atmosphere that i keep talking about that is just slowly growing is just this in- sense of inevitability no matter what we do the world is going to end I think I might have briefly mentioned it to you, but like this, it sort of reminded me of like how some people think about climate change Mm -hmm. and how it like, it's just going to, the more you think about it, like, or as like time goes on, the more it seems like it is just irreversible and like the world is going to hell and everything like that. Um, Also very depressing. Yeah. One of my first notes I made meant for this was made for this was it's, I said, it is a melancholy book (laughs) because it is. And you and I have both mentioned to each other, like in private and on the podcast, like moments we've had where it's just like this, like 
intense melancholy about thinking about the planet yeah. and what is happening and what very well could happen because we're not at the tipping point but we might as well be in term in like i mean we're, the big idea we're, we're past at, the tipping point for a lot of things but yeah i mean it's like i don't know like i've mentioned this i think to a couple of people like family members maybe and like most of the time and it's not like i mentioned this to a ton of people but like the people i have mentioned it to most of the time the reaction is kind of like seriously like that's what you're thinking about but like when we've talked about where we want to live at some point Mm -hmm. like climate change is part of that conversation like it doesn't feel particularly safe to be on a coast (laughs) or anywhere near an equator (laughs) yeah so uh anyway yeah i mean it's just it's it's kind of permeates all of your thinking about things eventually and it's kind of depressing and most of the time like i think most of us are i don't know i think a lot of people are are still kind of in a place where it's not on your mind day to day Mm -hmm. well it's not on mine it's not on mine either i'm not trying to say like i'm thinking about it more than other people like i'm also not thinking about it most of the time but then sometimes i will i'll think about it or and then and just like sort of like i don't know just really gets a hold of you you know yeah it's kind of freaky yes it is (laughs) like i mean not kind of it's pretty freaky right um yeah. The the thing I kind of have been telling myself after, like, when I sort of, like, made that realization, like, oh, like, the way I feel when reading this book and the way the characters are feeling, like, is sort of, like, how I have felt in those moments. I think the longest one was, like, an hour long of mm. just, like, holy crap. Like, yeah. this everything sucks um is that it's not inevitable or it doesn't have to be inevitable um and probably need to be doing more than i am but i also like and you and i have talked about like it's not like an individual thing it's like people need to decide as a group to actually give two shit about it yeah yeah probably don't have to start lecturing about climate change right now but that's what it probably feels like. not no i mean i don't think that we're lecturing but like i don't know i do think so like this is just where my brain is like we don't have to keep this in or whatever but like you and i have both listened to a podcast recently that sort of talked about like the way that elections are talked about largely in the media and Mm -hmm. then like this sort of poll polling pundit culture that we have um and like the way that um candidates are just sort of eventually left out of um debates debates and and things like that it's just sort of like this slow eventuality that like 
someone's gonna win and we don't have a whole lot of control over it they're just sort of vaguely generally popular right Right. and that is something that you can't go up against right um and to me i think that's sort of similar like i think we just sort of have this cultural idea of like that's just how it is and there's not much you can do about it and oh well i guess (laughs) (laughs) right and Anyway, sorry, I, I don't know where I was going with that. I mean, I really. think it's part Just... of, like, realizing, like, how small and insignificant you are in but, a lot of things. But also, like, if you thought about, like, you, like, the people are the ones who should be creating that popularity. Like, mm-hmm. if you feel strongly enough about something, then you want somebody to be elected or you want something to change, then, like, you can't just sort of count on this vague idea of well that thing is popular that thing is going to happen like people can make things happen Mm -hmm. i don't know i'm like not really up i don't really feel like i'm up on a soapbox right now because now (laughs) i feel melancholy but (laughs) i don't know just the idea of inevitability right um it's really hard to get yourself out of that mindset. Mm. Well, yeah, and that's what I was saying. Like, when... I mean, if anyone... Like, I don't necessarily have... I don't know. I've never been diagnosed. I don't know. Um, is I don't necessarily have, like, firsthand experience with depression. But, like, mm-hmm. if you're on, like... If anyone has been down, you know that, like, at that moment, it's all you can think about. And when you're out of it or like near the edge you're kind of thinking like the only reason i'm not is because i'm ignoring it not like you kind of get even when you're not depressed mm-hmm. you feel like the only like when you're kind of thinking about it it's because you begin to think like well i'm just deluding myself long enough to not deal with it yeah. and obviously that's not a very healthy way of thinking about it no but i agree like i mean at least for me personally like when you're not in that headspace i will have thoughts about like it it feels like an eventuality that i will end up there again is that kind of what right and i'm sort of trying to like draw that to feeling like what's going to happen is going to happen Mm -hmm. and when you're not thinking about it you're just distracting yourself which is true to an extent because not thinking about it and it's an important thing but also like if all you do is think about it and think about how bad things are and how bad things can get you will be like worthless because you're just like well that's not not i'm not saying you're worthless like i mean your worth i mean like you're you're just gonna be you won't be able to you'll be consumed right Yeah. yeah exactly i mean like i mean it's the same thing with anxiety too like Mm -hmm. you get anxious about the fact that you're anxious right exactly exactly so i don't know we're not here to give answers (laughs) we never promised you answers people we promised you books (laughs) and sometimes other things that we put off (laughs) was that all you had that is all i had okay so I mean, we don't have to end it right there. Just well, I think it's a good place to end because okay. I feel like we're just going to end up ruminating too long anyway. So Let's stop ruminating. Yeah. Stop the process. Do we know what you're reading next time? I have 
We both listened to The Adventure Zone mm-hmm. by the McElroy Brothers. Um, and I am going to be reading the graphic novel that was based on the first part of the balance arc, <laughs> right? Did I yes. get all of that right? Yes, you did. Okay, because they have several mm-hmm. parts of this podcast now. So anyway, if you're interested in d and If you're interested in d and podcasts, D&D podcasts. The McElroy Brothers. Graphic, graphic novels, novels. Yeah. Carrie Peach, who drew it. <laughs> all of the above. Yeah. Come on and then come out and listen. All right. So, uh, thank you so much to Velt Punch for the use of their song Fighting Pose mm-hmm. from the album His Strange Fighting Pose. Also, we mentioned this last time, if you could, please uh, leave a review of some sort on whatever podcast app or um listening device you use it would be great to see anything that'd not be, be wonderful yeah it's, it's really just to stroke our egos if you could just do that for us <laughs> and then also we know you, half of you anyway and also if you are wanting more behind the scenes or just random tweets that we like to tweet that are semi-relevant mm-hmm. head on over to at sundoku pod on twitter oh. all right i think that's all for tonight sounds good Bye-bye, guys. Bye.